everyone. So glad everybody's enjoying the show and listening. Just a quick reminder, if you do like listening to the Oh Mr. Sheffield podcast, please rate and review it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It genuinely helps the show grow and uh, helps more people find this podcast. And we would love to make sure that we're reaching every nanny fan out there. So yeah, uh, rate it, review it, and you know, post about it, share it with your friends. We appreciate all of it. And um, we're so happy to be doing this with you guys. Yeah. Now enough out of us because it's time for more of us. That's right. <laughs> Enjoy the show. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. uh, uh, Miss Fine. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I knew you were going to start like that. (laughs) Oh, Mr. Sheffield. (laughs) Podcast. This is season three, episode 13, an offer she can't refuse. It's. I have, to, I have a question. When you're doing that voice, are you? Is your hand up by yes. your mouth? Yes. You can't. Yes. You can't do it without. Yeah. Okay. No, I, okay. Right, Continue. That was terrible. I have to start over. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oh, Mister Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny. What's the nanny? Well, if you don't know by now, it's a little late to explain it because we're on season three, episode 13, an offer she can't refuse. It's the one where, I don't know, not a lot happens, but they definitely go out of their way to make a ton of Italian stereotypes. I mean, it was, it was a fun app. It was a fun, it's the episode where Fran starts dating a guy uh, and it turns out he is in the mafia. That's right. That is Victoria Sheffield, and I am Shande Pasquale. That's right. We are your hosts for Oh, Mr. Sheffield. It's a podcast, and we're doing it. So strap in. Toria, I was very conflicted about this episode. (laughs) Oh, were you actually bothered by the Italian stereotypes because you're Italian? Nope. I just didn't like some of it. Like, I felt like some of Tony's dialogue, he literally felt like a mafia robot. Yes, I mean, well, he, yeah, they were doing a sitcom sticky version of a guy in the mafia. Like, they, it was like, I, I wasn't upset because I'm like, I'm not expecting a complex, like, nuanced, you know, portrayal of a mobster in like the 22 minutes during this, no, you know. But I was, I guess, I was, I guess, at minimum hoping for like a basically passable, like, just like Italian person. And this guy just comes, like, again. He, the way he spits out, at one point I wrote, <laughs> he spits out weird stilted mafia dialogue like an actual mafia robot. Because he does, he's like, oh, hey, beep, boop, beep, bop, uh, bada, bing. And it's like, what? And then the B plot of this episode is Brighton saying the word slave way too many times to Maggie. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Also, there was a potentially very dirty joke that came from this that we'll get to. That there I, was. I, I, I have questions because I didn't know if I was reading into it but we've got we've gotten very askew in the first three minutes so let's just start off let's start at the beginning it's almost christmas oh yes and i actually have the note that i really like that the show's set designers have they didn't just decorate christmas for like the christmas episode like they have firmly rooted the timeline it is the holiday season last week was the house was decorated it's still decorated i really enjoyed I like that little detail. Yeah, there were mentions to Thanksgiving, like a couple mm-hmm. of episodes prior even to this. They knew when the show was coming out, and they definitely are writing episodes to fit with the season, which TV shows used to do a lot. They don't really do that as much anymore, but like some of my favorite episodes of like 80s and 90s sitcoms are like Halloween episodes and Christmas episodes. Yeah, well, I said, I said, I like that they root it in real time and it's not, and I go, it kind of makes me feel safe. Yeah. Like it just, I liked it. It's a very like reassuring, like, oh, I know these people. I know this world. Yep. I know what to expect. Um, but we start off with uh, Franz listening to Gracie play the violin while this mm-hmm. other little kid in her class is playing the clarinet. They're like practicing together and it's horrible and it sounds awful. Hey, and it's Frankie Tatori. It's yes, and we find out that the little boy who uh, Maggie is playing with is is Frankie Tatori, and he himself is a little mobster caricature. Because at one point, Gracie's like, "I think you need to practice more," and he goes, "Hey, watch what you say, or my or my dad will like 
throw you in the river with cement Mary Jane. Yeah. So we know right away something's up. Yeah. We then um, also, uh, like two seconds later, we find out that she doesn't like playing with him because he broke both of Barbie's <laughs> legs and shoved her in the trunk of the dream car, yes. which is <laughs> such violent children, like, imagery. <laughs> I love earlier. That's actually one of my uh, favorite lines. Me later. too. But so then the doorbell <laughs> rings and um, it's Frankie's father, Tony, trying to Tori there to pick him up. And like hey. he walks in. Yeah, he literally, he's, well, he's let you're playing him more like um that the guy from the chatterbox episode who was a more John Travolta. Hey ho, this guy he is a little bit more like hey, my name is Tony, but my friends, you know, blah blah he's blah. Like, like, my name is Tony, but my friends they, they call me Mister Tony, and yeah. they're like, okay, yeah. So he's like, you know, and he's like wearing this like long um. Give me some gabagool. <laughs> Um, and he kind of, you know, instantly is hitting on Fran and we established that he's divorced. I'm just going to play the Sopranos theme song looped under this entire episode. Oh God. I will. I have a whole thing that we can get into later where I'm like, it really is a trope that dudes are more into mafia entertainment than women. And I know that's a big generalization, but like, we were like, you know me, we were just talking about Michael Bay movies like a second ago. Like I'm, I'm not like, uh, I'll watch anything, but even I'm like, what is the fixation with the mafia movies? And like, but okay, so um, you know, he's sitting on Fran, and he actually like take uh, uh, asked her out on a date, um, and it's funny because he's like. I like you. I'm sending you some steaks. And then when he leaves, she's like, he's sending me beef? Is that guy classy or what? <laughs> um, and they, so- they hit it off, I found, in the grossest possible way. Like, I found their whole meat cute to just be like, it felt gross. Like, I was like, ew, what's happening here? Like, because he's kind of gross. And she immediately is like, ah, I'm from Flashing. And he's like, hey, me too. And she's like, ah. And he's like, oh. But- <laughs> It's like so gross. It was. I was like, ew, ew. What's happening I, right now? But I friend, positive, friend, you're better than this. When people, when people though meet from the same neighborhood, when they're in like a, you know, when they both feel like outsiders in the new space, I'm sure that creates like a fast bond. They, I bet well, you, it was. It was gross. I, gross man. I, I, I mean, I, it makes me laugh that it, like was gross to you because it was like it was like fine i don't know it was I, funny i, I don't i can't up. explain it i literally it's in my notes i just wrote how i felt at the time i wrote fran and tony hit it off in the grossest way possible i, mean, I know it's sometimes it's funny your take on things it's it's just they do make me laugh because it's clearly triggering something in you and like i have different things that i'm sure do yeah. it for me but that yeah. you know i was like it's a it was a fairly you know normal flirtatious exchange but I guess you just, you were icked it was, out. I don't know. It was like I, these, in that moment, they were two people I didn't want to watch, like, <laughs> fall for I was just like, ew, what is happening right now? I kept, in my head, I kept thinking, Fran, you're better than this. <laughs> than this glassy mo- This is a real Heather Biblo move, Fran. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. well, so, so well, they hit like it your off. In- your instincts are right because this yeah. does not go well. No. Um, and then in the next scene, uh, it kind of brings in sort of like our B slash C plot. Brighton's in the living room, literally thumbing through Maggie's diary. And yeah. Maggie, you know, she comes running down the stairs being like, give me that back. And he's like, okay. And she's like, that was too easy. Like, what's going on? He's like, oh, like, I made photocopies. And she's just like, okay, fine. How much do you want? And this made me laugh. He goes, he goes, look around. Money I got. And, but then he goes, what I need is a personal slave. So now, nowadays, he would have said assistant. I think assistant would have been the uh, – or servant. I need yeah. a servant would have yeah. been probably yeah. the wording of choice. Yeah, I think servant is eons better than slave. So Well, but then this gets us to this joke where I was like – I had to rewind because I was like, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Yes. She goes, I'm nobody's slave. And he's like – not according to the page that says things I can't let Peter know I did with Jeff Connolly. Yes. And I was like, is she doing some like dumb stuff? Like what is Maggie up to? That is – I had the same – I underlined it. (laughs) I wrote, I wrote, whoa, in all caps. And then I underlined it with a question mark because, okay, so let's track this. Season one, season one, she's like 14. 
right? Mm-hmm. Then somewhere in season one, she's also 15. Then season two, she's 15. Then in this season, we got her 16th birthday, right? 16. And they did reference like going to be 17, which right. is ambiguous. Maybe she's just 16. Maybe she's almost 17. Okay. So in that time, she's had multiple boyfriends, which like, great, good for her. But then has also had conversations about like not wanting to like kiss a boy too much or too fast, but then also has done such unspeakable things (laughs) that she can never let her current beau know that she did them. (laughs) Like what? Well, also I I was like, well, you know, there's another way to read this. But I don't think it's the one that they even intended, which What's is the other way. Well, maybe he was just like, she's like, I'm nobody's slave. And he's sort of like, oh, well, like he, the fact that I read, you know, what you, that thing that you didn't want me to read means like means otherwise, like, you know, because no. you're going you're gonna to now be mine. No, but I'm pretty that's sure. That's not what he's saying there. That's not what he's saying there. He's saying that's not what you wrote, in, <laughs> implying that she wrote on her list of things she can never tell Peter she did with whatever, Michael or whatever it is, she wrote, can't tell him that I was once his sex slave. Oh, <laughs> it's I, so, it's such a weird, like it's, it's, we've talked about this before. It's like, it's such a weird thing where like, clearly the writers for just wanted to go for the joke and just disregarded the Absolutely. ages of everyone involved, which is Absolutely. like, eh, it's a funny bit. And we get to say something a little blue and yeah. And this 16 year old child is the, is the, <laughs> is the butt, of it. butt of this joke. Uh, but so we get that set up. Yeah. A that, uh, you know, Brighton is holding her, is blackmailing her. B that Maggie is very into kink culture. Yes. And and, and basically he's he establishes that he's made copies of her diary. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so then Mr. Sheffield comes in, he's yelling at Cece. So this is establishing another, I would say, like oh, yeah. B slash C slot. Hmm. It's they're they kind of rival each other as just subplots. I don't think either was necessarily well, but this one ties back into the A in the end. So I I would – I mean just from a pure like writing theory standpoint, I'd argue that this is the B plot because yeah. it ties to the A plot. Okay. Because the, the, the blackmail thing doesn't go anywhere. It's just like we're just following this just to have the kids in the episode. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. Okay, so this is really the B plot. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Sheffield, he's super mad at Cece because apparently they are producing a, sh- a one-woman show starring Whoopi Goldberg, and Cece <laughs> did something to upset her because she claimed Whoopi was, quote, making too many demands. She fired Whoopi. Oh, no. Oh, did she fire her? No, I thought she was just – no, you she know, fires oh, her. Like, oh. He's mad because she has fired Whoopi Goldberg from her one-woman show. And she's like, so what? And he's like, what do you mean? The show is called like An Evening with Whoopi Goldberg. And she goes, her demands were outrageous. She she wanted her own hair and makeup person. Why can't she just use the same one the rest of the cast is using? And he goes, she is the rest of the cast. Um, so I don't know if you um, knew what this was in reference to because I didn't because Fran has this line then where you know she when she's like oh sorry Cece's like we can just replace uh we can just replace Whoopi and uh Mr. Sheffield's like uh she's the star of the show you can't just replace the star of the show and Fran goes I don't know Sandy Duncan replaced Valerie Harper and they did just fine I I had never heard those no, it's Hogan, the Hogan family. Yeah, yeah Hogan family. Sorry. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I was like, I, this is a complete blind spot in my pop culture. Oh, I loved the Hogan family. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea what this was. It, I, I found out, you know, it was ran six seasons in the late yep. 80s. And it basically started out as a, it was a standard family sitcom called Valerie about a yes. mom like juggling the demands of work and boys and her husband mm-hmm. was often at work. And then the actress who was who also named Valerie in real life, Valerie Harper had a falling out with the producers. And so her character is killed off. And then they bring in Sandy Duncan as the living aunt and yep. surrogate mother figure. And they like basically rebranded as like the Hogan family. Yep. Um, and I, I had no idea. And this idea. was like a big deal because Valerie Harper was like, she, her big claim to fame is she was, uh, she was Rhoda Morgenstern on Mary Tyler Moore show. Oh and then she God. got her own spinoff show that went for years. And then that, that ended in like 78. And then she was off TV for a while. So it was a really big deal when they were like, guess what? 
like now we're giving her her own thing. Like she's going to be, it's going to be Valerie. And this is like her big, like this is her show. And then like that lasted two seasons. Wow. I had two no seasons. Idea. And there was like a huge, I don't know what it was over, but like, yeah, I, I, cause I remember coming into the show at the end of the last Valerie season and watching it with Sandy Duncan the, like then on Jason Bateman was on it. How would the, how would they have killed her off? What a, I mean, Hey, I guess I'll have to, we don't have time now, but I have so many questions. Uh, I'll have to look into all of this. I guess that's going to be our next, uh, rewatch, <laughs> oh, you know, after dinosaurs, but back to this show. <laughs> um, Oh no, no. You see, I think you're wrong. I don't think that what Whoopi has not been fired. They're having an argument over like CC basically is not meeting Whoopi's demands. And then Mr. Sheffield goes, you don't, you just don't know how to negotiate with people. That's your problem. Watch. I'm going to show you how it's done. Right. Um, and that's because Fran had literally just asked him if she could um, leave early on Thursday to go on her date with Tony. And then we have this great exchange. Yeah, and I literally fantastic. was – yeah, I was like, I wish we could just like play the exchange right here because I don't think I can do it justice. But literally, she's like, ah, oh, Mr. Sheffield, like I'm going to need to leave early Thursday. Um, and he's like, well, okay, can you stay late Sunday? And she's like, no, but I can come in late Sunday. <laughs> and he's like, that's not going to work. And she's like, well, okay, so I'll come in late Sunday and I'll work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then I have Thursday off, um, but that's okay because I have Sunday off too or just something like that. It's, it's all like very fast-paced dialogue that's a little hard to follow. And it basically ends with Mr. Sheffield's giving her Thursday off early and letting her come in late Sunday, but thinking he had won the negotiation. <laughs> um, and it was like fantastic. And literally Cece looks at Niles and goes, how does she do that to him? And he's like, it's a woman thing. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> burn, baby. Such a good burn. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then the doorbell rings, and it's a delivery from Tony. It's the meat right. that he promised. It's meat, <laughs> yep. Uh, which was just like such a little throwaway scene. It was really funny. Hey, like, I got you the meat I promised. Come I mean, I would love it if somebody gifted me with like delicious cuts of meat. Like those are expensive. Well, Toria, check your <laughs> mailbox. Oh no, I haven't checked my mailbox in several weeks. <laughs> was our we meat there? But so anyway, we get that meat from Tony. Then we cut to the next scene. By the so, way, lest anyone think we're just like, oh, they're recording late at night and they must be overtired. It is currently 9.33 in the morning. We are shot out of a cannon today. But that's part of the problem. We feel like we have all the time in the world. How are we going to get through the rest of our days? I'm exhausted. I know. No, no. We, we're being very silly and very short-sighted. We are we're mm -hmm. burning all our fuel very early today. Um, but so – the next scene, it's Thursday evening. Fran is looking incredible for her yeah. date. She's in a little black dress. I was just like, gorgeous. Yes. Chef's kiss. Impeccable. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Maybe the best Fran's looked on any episode of this show yet. Yeah, and part of me wonders, you know, her hair was actually a lot more conventional. I mean, yeah. obviously the dresses and she's just a gorgeous woman, but like her hair was sort of a almost a retro side part as opposed mm -hmm. to a big bouffant and, you know, mm -hmm. made a difference. She um, but cute. Yeah, and Mr. Sheffield and Niles walks in, and Mr. Sheffield literally is like, Miss Fine, you look ravishing. And I was like, dude, you're her boss. Like, just say pretty if you're going to yeah. say. But anyway, she goes, he goes, you look ravishing. And she thinks him and is like, oh, yeah, I'm about to go on my date with Tony. And he's like, and you're wearing that? And he instantly gets concerned. And he actually tries to convince her that she should change because it's, quote, very cold. Mm. Um, and Niles is like, it's actually unseasonably warm. And then he's like, well, but, but uh, a cold front's coming through. And Niles is like, really? I didn't hear anything about that. And Mr. Sheffield's like, the new butler is bringing it. So <laughs> clearly like, shut up or I'll fire you. Um, but she goes on her way to her date with Tony. And as usual, Mr. Sheffield's kind of jolly, kind of jelly. Yeah. We get a funny bit, uh, like a weird self-referential bit. Cause now they, they show up in an Italian restaurant. And this yeah. is where I wrote, Oh, he's just spitting out weird stilted mafia dialogue, like a mafia robot. Yeah. Um, but they do have a funny line in there where they talk about having gone to see Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And this was the dude that played Gaston in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway, the guy mm -hmm. playing Tony. And it made me laugh because I recognized him when he opened the door because I was a big theater nerd growing up. And like 90s Beauty and the Beast 
like Broadway was like right in my, I mean, that was when I was like in theater high school, you know? That's crazy. Cause I have part of that in trivia. I, I did not recognize him at all. And had I was like, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, so that, so you were, you were in on that joke. I wonder how many viewers in real time were in on that joke. I think a lot, this was like a really big deal. This musical, like it was a pretty big, like, it was like Disney's first big, like official, we're doing a musical of one of our animated things. And they like pulled out, you know, all the stops and like, so I, 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 I mean, I, you know, in as referential as this show normally is to like, um, musical Broadway theater. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Musical theater stuff. So I'm, I'm sure they were writing for a specific audience that they knew they had. And, and, and in the nineties, like this guy definitely would have been known to that. I, I mean, I remembered him just as a, I was like, oh yeah, that's the dude. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Um, well, he was a very good guest on. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Well, as we find out, he has a lovely voice, yes. um, but well, they get to this Italian restaurant and I, first of all, I used to love restaurants like this in New York. Cause that's really what these authentic Italian restaurants look like. Like they always have Christmas lights up and they're always kind of like, you know, candle lights and, and kind of small spaces. And it, it and a lot going on visually in there, but so there's yeah, it was, this very. It was very. Um, it was very fellas, uh, it, the like, Italian restaurant from Lady in the Tramp. <laughs> That's exactly. what I was reminded of. I was like, oh, this is they were literally playing Bella Note Day. <laughs> that's yeah, it's, it's not. That's actually not wrong. It's not wrong yeah. But so and everyone's like, it's Mr. Tony. It's Mr. Tony. And they're like, give Mr. Tony his usual table. And they literally like force a couple who's eating out of Mr. Tony's usual table. And, and there's like. There's also this group of like six dudes very clearly like following very closely behind them that Fran doesn't reference to a little bit later in this scene. But yes. it's it's like very obvious like up front at the start of the scene that like he is being followed by like his his, his bodyguards. Boys. Yeah, yeah his like boys. it's his yeah. mafia bodyguards. And in fact, um she even comments, she's like, oh, like they sat behind us at the show. What a coincidence. And, um, and you know, there's, you're right. There's lots of like mafia references that she is not picking up on. Like literally she's, when they instantly give him a table, she's like, wow, you must be a great tipper. And he's like, ah, like Leon, the maitre d', he's in the family. And she's like, oh, you're related. And he's like, no, um, <laughs> You know, in the family, it's a very like Godfather. Thing. He's like he's not hiding it, so you can't even accuse him of like being duplicitous because he's not. <laughs> well, here's the thing: I wrote, I was like, I don't really. I, at first, I didn't really buy that Fran wasn't instantly like, oh my god, this guy's definitely Same. in the mob. But Same. then, but you know, because she's like, she's usually very street smart and savvy. But I was also like, you know what? Maybe Jews and mobsters don't usually mingle. She, you know, when you put her in the light of more of a like, in some ways, naive Jewish girl, even though yes. she's street smart, I'm like, you know what? Maybe not. I think, Maybe not. I think that's. I think that's fair. Um, and and so then like they're talking, and Tony he gifts her with this lavish necklace. It's like obviously way too expensive for a first date. Um, and then I wrote I wrote two things happen that must be very dated to any younger viewer watching today. So Fran excuses herself to like go powder her nose in the bathroom and she gets into the bathroom. And the first thing she does is she takes out a disposable camera, turns it towards the mirror and snaps a photo of herself. And like the audience gets a huge laugh. And I was like, at the time that this show was made, taking a photo of yourself was a hilarious joke. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like a very unexpected thing to do. And I'm like, and now we live in a world of like smartphones and selfie sticks. So like yep. that the the like how I had the same thought. I was like, wow, she was she was really like ahead of her time as far as like, yeah, she looked good and she went into the bathroom and she documented how good she looked on her date. And yes. like that's what everyone just does all the time now. Like the difference is that she wasn't doing it for some fake clout on like some social networking site. She just wanted to know she looked good. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, but I was like, you know, the 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 height of that joke or the, is is lowered in today's world because of of how common that is. But it was like, you know, it was a very – you were like, oh, my God, what a hilarious thing, you know, when you saw it 30 years ago. And then she also goes, I have to call Val, at which point she goes to the public phone in the restroom that's hanging on the wall, which also – By the way, restaurants ew. Had. <laughs> I know. I, I saw that and I went, ew, did they – oh, yeah, I guess there were phones in bathrooms mm-hmm. and – Ew. <laughs> That'd be the germiest. Germ- you're Ew. definitely getting pink eye from that phone. I mean, right? Like, yeah. So you're getting something. You get HPV for putting that phone to your ear. 
<laughs> um, so she's trying to the calm human down. papillomavirus. <laughs> HPV, the, human papillomavirus. Yeah, the very one. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> um, but so then um, she's like mid phone call to Val with gunshots go off. In the this was ridiculous. Frankly. The- well, it was ridiculous, but I did laugh really hard where Fran's first instinct is to think it's like a robbery. And so she instantly tries to swallow the necklace. <laughs> with that. I did like that. Yeah. I can't get it. Um, and then, but so then the firing stops and she, she goes out into the main part of the restaurant, which you should never do. But, um, so, and she looks around and like, you know, literally something has happened. Like, I want to talk about this. So, okay. This, this had to be a discussion, right? Like with like network and probably writers, because it's like, okay, we're still doing a sitcom, but we've also just implied that a restaurant full of people was murdered. But well, or you could it say can't it be like it can't be kind. like horrific when she comes back in there, but it has to look like something happened. Otherwise, it's not going to make sense. And so, what we end up with is like a very first of all, a much tighter shot than we got before. So, I actually think that they had more going on in like the background and sides, and they decided to crop the shot in. And all you really see is one person sort of like laid out over a chair with their head underneath a, like a table. Oh, I, I, you see, I must have missed it. I just saw a bunch of people crouching. I yeah, that's we, it. That's all you yeah. see. It's just like a guy bent over and like another guy kind of crouched. And it's like, it's not clear what happened. And I wondered if like, it was like a, if they were like, oh, it would be funny because look, my instinct as a writer would be like, it would be hilarious if she comes out of the bathroom. Everyone except for Tony is dead. And he's just sitting there smiling. And she's like, oh boy. Mm-hmm. That's to me is the funny. That's funny, right? Like that's that's yeah. the bit. And I wonder if they didn't try it and people were like, this is not funny. Come that's on, too guys. dark. It's that's too, too dark. dark. That's too well, dark. So instead we just have the implication that some some people were shot at. We don't know where they are. Maybe they maybe they got away. Maybe right. they were like not fatally wounded and got out. We don't know. But like the restaurant is shell is like shell shocked and people are crouching. And she comes out and she says the same thing. She's like, she goes, Tony, what happened? <laughs> and he, he has his mouth full of like food. So his cheeks are like really like puffy, like like, like uh, Marlon, Marlon Brando, Brando in The Godfather. And he goes, Jimmy Nucci said hello. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's now now this is when we can really do our god. Now you do it. You do it. He went he went Jimmy Nucci said hello. <laughs> that was good. That was He oh told god. me you gotta I gotta ask you you got an offer you can't refuse and you could come up here while I'm taking care of my grandkids and you could assault me in my daughter's <laughs> wedding. No, that's not how we do it in this family. You come and you give me blessing on my daughter's wedding day, and tomorrow we discuss business. Yeah, dudes love the Godfather. My dad <laughs> loved the Godfather. I like I, obsessed with the Godfather. I want. Hold on, I'm gonna do it. Jimmy <laughs> Nucci's. Oh, I can't do it. Why? Why is your Godfather like a little? woman wasting away in the corner. Help me, grandkids. I have not been fed in many days. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, hold on. Wait. <clears throat> Let me give you a clean... Alright, here we go. This is gonna be... This is gonna be Toria Sheffield, no relation to Mr. Sheffield, does a Godfather impression. Okay, go. 
It's such a wilting old man voice. It's so funny. (laughs) It's very hard with, I think, female vocal chords. Okay, but now, can you do... Can you do the old grandma at the end of the Titanic? <laughs> I I don't know. I do not know her. I feel like you could do, you know, where she like takes the <laughs> necklace off and she's like, it doesn't matter. It's over. <laughs> you can do it well, man. You can do both. You can do um, it all. This well, is that was, I, all I was doing there was um, there's it's um, I think it's Maggie Smith actually in old lady makeup. No, no, she isn't wasn't, it Vanessa Redgrave? No. Well, what I was doing was. Oh. The old lady Wendy from Hook. <gasps> and, oh, who I yes. think is Maggie Smith in like old lady makeup. Yes, yes. Yeah. And she Peter, goes, You're a pirate. <laughs> Peter, you're a pirate. Oh. That's my favorite. I, it's my favorite. Oh, it gives me chills. Me all too. right. We, okay. can't, we can't get oh, distracted with Hook. I'll okay, talk okay, about okay, Hook okay. all day. Then, um, so we, so Fran. You know, Fran wakes up. She's literally having a nightmare about, you know, Tony in this mafia situation. And she freaks out because there's like a toy horse in her bed, um, like the horse's <laughs> head in the Godfather. Yeah. And Val shows up and she's like, she's like, I think yeah. she wakes up and she's like, damn it, Maggie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Gracie. Yeah. Gracie. Yeah. Well, no, she's like, Gracie, I told you to give this toy horse to charity. And then yeah. literally, Gracie put it in her bed, which is like a total backhanded. Move, Um, And Val shows up and Val's like, you know, I wanted to find out, like, what did Tony end up giving you last night? And um, so, because, you know, Fran's call had cut out during the shootout. And basically, this is a hilarious scene where Fran, she shows her the necklace firstly. And they're like, she's like, it's beautiful. And she's like, but Val, I can't accept it. And I have to break up with him. Tony's in the mafia. And at first, Val's like, you know, Fran, like that's very offensive. Not every Italian's in the mafia. And, you know, not every Italian knows everything about the mafia. And then she's literally like, but I'll say this. And then she goes on this like. Uh, I tried to write it down. She's like, it's so funny. She's like. She's like, oh, the, the Capicola, Capicola. Like she goes down this whole like thing. <laughs> yeah, she's like, but if the such and such and such, then the blah blah blah, and then he'll do blah, blah. And she's using all this like very insider mafia uh, lingo, um, disproving her point that not all Italians know about the mafia. By the way, IMDb, you give me quotes for an episode. You couldn't give me that genius line. Yep, yep. But I you, but that you, too. but you could get me. Not even a good line from sh- uh, IMDb is such a dis- constant disappointment. It really is. It's the worst. Um, Unless they want to sponsor the show, in which case I'm a huge fan of all the hard work they do over there. Love what you're doing over there. Love what you're doing. Um, but so uh, it was then really funny though because um, so so Val's like, well, you have to tell Mr. Sheffield, you know, that Tony's in the mafia, and she's like, I can't tell him that Val, like anyone who like. Anybody who knows is going to be in danger. And then she's like, but you told me. And Fran goes, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I blew past this other really funny thing where basically Fran is trying to tell Val that Tony is in the mob by by like just kind of insinuating it and not right out saying it. She's kind of using this hand gesture. And Val goes, he's a nose picker. Oh. <laughs> I bet it's while he's driving. What is it with guys and driving? Do they think nobody can see inside? <laughs> and then Fran just looks at him and she goes, oh, Val, I, bra- I blame myself. Remember when I gave you your first at-home perm? I wasn't supposed to leave the chemicals on for four hours. <laughs> Which is such a great – it's like – it's a, they treat it kind of like a throwaway, but I, I loved that moment. I loved like Fran blaming herself for Val's stupidity. <laughs> yes. yes, I just loved it. Um, and then that's when Val's like, you got to tell Mr. Sheffield. And Fran's like, I can't do that. Whoever knows is in grave danger. And, and Val's like, but you just told me. And Fran goes, well, I had to tell someone. Yeah. <laughs> we then check in on Maggie and Brighton's subplot yes. um, where he's still <laughs> making her his, quote, slave. And he promises to break her, <laughs> yeah. which I hated. I wrote, this is fucked up. I hate this. <laughs> 
Um, I think it was that, it was that line that made me, I didn't mind it. I don't think in the first scene, I was like, that's a little weird, but like, whatever. It was when he later in this scene goes like, oh, I will break you. I was like, ew, what is happening? Like, well, hey, we already know she's into uh, role like, playing. He's, she's already, goes, any, if anything, she's into this. We've established. But it goes beyond just like, <laughs> oh, we're throwing the term slave around when we really mean like servant. Because like when you talk about breaking someone, like they're, there's only one definition of what that means. You know what I mean? Well, it's like, you know, breaking a horse in. Yeah. No, I know. Well, <laughs> I don't know. But people are not horses. <laughs> <laughs> and that type of language really isn't applied to human beings unless they're being treated like animals. This is true. Know. This is all very true. Hard um, pass. <laughs> um, Let's right? skip this part. Anyway, Probably that happens. Well, but here's the thing that this is important because – Brighton leaves and Fran comes in and basically Maggie complains to Fran and she explains it and she's like, you know, uh, Brighton stole my diary and he's like using it against me, blah, blah, blah. And then Fran's like, well, didn't he read the chapter? Because it's clear that, um, you know, Fran's also read her diary, but she goes, well, didn't he read the chapter where you caught him on tape French kissing your old Lisa Simpson doll? <laughs> and Maggie's like, I don't have a tape of that. And then Fran's like, oh. Well, now you do. And she pulls the <laughs> tape out of a drawer. So yeah. she is clearly like once, you know. Always one step ahead. Yes. And caught and had caught uh, Brighton French kissing Elisa Simpson doll once. And then, uh, and this is my favorite thing that's ever happened in any episode we've ever watched. She, feeling very proud of herself, Fran pulls a straw out of the drawer, sticks it into a Twinkie, and takes a sip. <laughs> <laughs> you think she's going to stick it into a juice box and she sticks it into a baked good, like a jelly donut or something. It was a Twinkie. It was, was a just Twinkie. a Twinkie. <laughs> she just sticks a straw straight up into a Twinkie and she takes a little sip of delicious Twinkie innards. And it was – I loved it. I was like, that was such a random it, – it, it, it was also great because it truly – it like – it weirdly makes her very much her mother's daughter in that moment, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because we also established that she's stress eating over the whole yes. pony situation. And um, yep. then Niles comes in and it turns out he knows everything because Val spilled it all. Mm-hmm. And I, this was a line – it was a joke that I thought was going to end up like being part of how this whole situation gets resolved. But it actually goes nowhere. But basically yes. she's like, she's like, well, you know what? Like Tony can't – she's like, I need to break up with Tony. But – he can't intimidate me because, you know, I have connections too. Like my people can take care of him. And Niles is like, you mean get him killed? And she's like, no, audited. <laughs> so, I, you know, the joke being that like, you know, she's Jewish. Yeah. People in her families are accountants. And, and they. But so I thought that's how this whole thing was going to get resolved. But it turned out that instead – um, Niles goes and tells Mr. Sheffield, or he at least tries to tell Mr. Sheffield because yes. – but Mr. Sheffield, as usual, is like super oblivious and isn't understanding it. And so instead of understanding that Tony is in the mob and Fran is literally now afraid to break it off with him, he just thinks that Fran's like afraid She's to hurt his feelings. to break feelings. his heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then when Tony shows up to take Fran out later that day, um, Mr. This, Sheffield – I liked t- the way all this this ending – I like the way this all plays out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, it, yeah, and um, I didn't expect it either. But um, so, you know, Tony shows up to take Fran out and she's like trying to break up with him but like not really sticking to it because she's scared. And Mr. Sheffield intervenes and he's like, you know, she just doesn't like you like that, man. Like you need to move on and you think it's going to get really scary or violent because Mr. Sheffield like has no idea he's talking to a literal monster like this. Um, but then Cece comes out and she's literally like – Maxwell, like I, uh, I got the script to Mandy Patinkin. No, and he's- no, she goes, she goes. Niles told me to come here and stand between you two. <laughs> you know, to stand in front of Maxwell for yeah. some reason. <laughs> like he's hoping she'll get shot if this. If I just shoots. love that Niles' first thought was, "I'm going to go find Cece and I'm be like, hey." can you just go out there and stand in front of Maxwell? And she's like, I guess, sure. And then she just goes and makes herself a wall between Maxwell and Tony. It's yeah. very funny. But then, yes, in doing that, she also says that she signed Mandy Pati- They lost Whoopi, and they've signed Mandy Patinkin now to do a oh, new- Oh, no, it's, it's a different show. There, mm-hmm. I, you're, there's, some, there's some very mundane nuances that got lost, which is they can no longer do the Whoopi show, so they're pushing up their next show. Yes. 
the, the timeline of their next show, but they need a tenor who they haven't cast yet. So and then they cast Mandy Patinkin, very uh-huh. famous, uh, wonderful tenor. And that's when because we had established that Tony likes Broadway a lot. And he goes, wait, you're the Maxwell Sheffield musical theater producer? And he literally just breaks into song. And he has this amazing voice. And I didn't know that he was, you know, this, you know, Broadway star when I was watching. You must have known that like this was, you know, in his wheelhouse. But so I was just like, wow. Even more so when she goes, actually, we're looking for a tenor. And he, Cause he's like, da, 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 da. she goes, we're looking for a tenor. And he goes, Oh, <laughs> he had a great voice. Yeah. And then Miss, Mr. Sheffield, like kind of very, you know, cleverly is like, well, you know, I would cast you as the understudy, but if you weren't so close to Mrs. Fine, like that could get awkward. So yeah. then Tony instantly just like dumps Fran so yeah. he could be the understudy. So you're like, okay, I guess this, I guess this mobster had dreams of. He had of, bigger aspirations. Yeah. Um, so that's how that gets resolved. Look, I don't think anyone wants a life of crime, you know? It seems exhausting and like tired and like scary and like draining. At least that's what I took away from The Sopranos is that nobody really likes it and everyone's pretty miserable. I thought you were going to say at least that's what I took away from this episode. Nope. (laughs) You thought that, but that's not – Hey, by the way, when was The Sopranos on? Wasn't it like 20 years ago? Yeah, but I'm wondering like is this – a reaction also to that? No, because no that doesn't way. start till 1999. No way. 1999, you said? Yeah, that started 1999. Wow. It was the first, uh, January 10th, 1999. We were a long so, way away from the Sopranos culturally. In in this episode? Um, 95 yeah. to 99, a I mean, lot happened. Look, to be fair, the pilot was ordered in 97. So only two years from now, HBO is like, yes, let's make a big mafia TV show. So I think we're like in prime, like this is when like Casino and like all of these mafia goodfellas, like these movies were all like popping off in the 90s. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So that was the episode. Wow. We have we have taken so long to get to the end of this episode this week, guys. We really just we lost the thread. Or we're going to have edited a lot of this down, and this was just smooth sailing, baby. Yep, 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 yep. We'll it's, see what happens. Nothing's, nothing's happening. We make it look easy. We make it look easy. But <laughs> We're both covered in sweat right now. <laughs> I am drenched in flop sweat. <laughs> should we move on to segments? We should move on to segments. And now, segments. So... Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments. Uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> All, All right. right. We're back from the segments theme. Let's blast through some segments. Here we go. <laughs> Number one, best quote. Doesn't matter. <laughs> no. This episode no, had no, a lot no. of really problematic lines. I know. So uh, I actually mentioned a lot of my favorite lines throughout because they were really funny to me. Like me I love when Gracie says, Frankie broke Barbie's legs and stuffed her in the trunk of the dream yes. car. <laughs> um, I loved when they were in the Italian restaurant. And this is before Fran realizes that Tony's in the mob and she just sees his bodyguards and she's like – those are the guys who were behind us at the show. Like, how weird. And then and then she's like, did you like it? And then, because they'd seen Beauty and the Beast, and one of the bodyguards goes, the teacup was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, 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 you know, Fran putting the straw in the baked good. Yep. Um, yep. I liked, uh, it's a female thing you wouldn't understand that Niall says to Cece. I thought that was really, really good. Oh, um, he, is, he is another great singer to Cece when, um, She's fanning herself because she's hot, and he walks in and goes, "You know, estrogen comes in patches now." Yes. <laughs> Implying she's oh, well, and then there's also she like she lead. There's a whole bit where Cece leads Niles on into thinking that maybe she wants him to play the replacement tenor, and like she kind of gets into like dance and stuff, and then she like she's like just kidding, you're an idiot, and she walks out, and Maxwell is like, "Oh, she got you, good old man." And there's like a beat, and then he just goes. Mm. She gets satisfaction from a man so infrequently. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it was like, it was such a good like. Oh yeah, she because she does get him. He like dances for her, and he's like singing. Like he really wants it, and then she like pulls the rug out from under him. It was a very uh, Lucy moving the football moment. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and then I didn't clock any Yiddish 
in this. No, this was an Italian episode. Uh, yeah, There yeah. was no room for Yiddish. I should have had you do the – you clocked the Yiddish sayings uh, or how many how many mafia things we – references we had. We should have clocked that. Um, um, yeah. Well, well we, no one said gabagool and that made me really upset. <laughs> um, and then for the nanny trivia, we kind of already went over this, how the guy who played Tony, his name is Burke Moses. Um, he was in Broadway's Beauty and the Beast in 91. Mm-hmm. He played Gaston. He was also a famous soap actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in All My Children. And then – the trivia, actually, you know, I got this from IMDb. So in this episode, Fran, I didn't, I did not notice this because I don't, I do not know anything about fashion. But Fran has an iconic Moschino, heart, a Moschino purse that's shaped like a heart, and I had to look that up. But this purse now sells for like seven thousand dollars. Like, well, <clears throat> um, I also something about this purse was very familiar to me, and I realized that I knew this purse because Amy Winehouse was very famously photographed in holding this purse, and then it sold for like a million dollars in an auction or something like, <sighs> crazy like that. And and that's right because I was like, oh, that looks familiar, and I couldn't figure out why because I don't like recognize purses usually. Um, but yeah. Well, I really liked it. And I wrote, if any of our listeners is like crazy rich and has fallen in love with me, you can buy it and I'll give you an address to send it to. <laughs> uh, I also so- want to say, um, that the little boy, okay. Who plays, uh, Frankie, Frankie. Okay. That little boy was like, he's so familiar to me and I don't know why. And then I looked, and do you know why he's so familiar? This boy, for whatever reason, he was the go-to to play young Rick Moranis in not one, but two different Rick Moranis movies. What? Wait, can I get some? Yes. Okay. Little Giants. Yes. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. When will we see another Two years movie? later. Can what? I tell you the co-star? And maybe you'll get the movie? It's Rick Moranis and Tom Arnold. Oh, I don't remember what that movie's called. Big Bully. Oh. And in both of those movies, two years apart, this kid, Justin Justin John Ross, gets a cast to play young Danny in Little Giants and young David in Big Bully. They were just like, hey, that kid is Rick Moranis. And then, okay, so we've established that the purse is very famous that Sean has incredible recall for this one little boy's face <laughs> and that if anybody wants to buy me that iconic purse or something that looks similar, I will accept it and mm-hmm. I um, will accept it graciously. And then, okay, for the Fran or the CC, I wanted to start by leading with a Fran or the CC corrections corner because last week oh, or maybe it was a week or two ago, an ep- our episode aired and this has never happened in the history of the podcast. Liz, this was a long time ago. First of all, the episode aired a while ago. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Elizabeth was catching up on episodes, I believe. So I don't even know where in the airing this was, but I I believe it was. hmm, What episode would have even been this conversation happened on? Gossip. Oh, oh, it might have been where hmm, because I know we've talked about meddling. I don't know if we talked about. Gossiping. It was an. It was some episode where Tori and I were talking about whether or not we're gossips in real life, and if we like gossip. And I said that I wasn't really. And then Elizabeth listened to that episode and corrected me to say I am in fact very much a gossip, and my friends are even more so. They shall remain nameless. Um, but so you know, I, <laughs> look, I don't know that. I don't know that I agree with that assessment. I mean, probably a lot of gossips don't think they're gossips. I mean, huh? I gossip to my fiance, future wife. I don't talk to anyone else. <laughs> well, I, I listen, all I know is uh, we. I got a text from Liz, his fiance, saying that's not true. Sean loves his hot goss. So, you know. I you do know love what? hot goss. It's true. <laughs> I do love a little hot goss delivery every night. Sometimes she'll come home from law school and I'll be like, What's the drums? And she's yeah. like, oh boy, let me tell you. Um, and then in, I just want to say that. And then in terms of this episode, I very much related to the Fran in that we've talked about this. I have zero street smarts. And this happens to me a lot where like, you know, I'll be talking about someone or this random person at some get together, you know, that I met and everybody else will be like, well, it's so clear. Like he's, he gets his money from something sketchy. And I'm like, what? Like, 
I just have zero. You're like it's so weird. I met this guy. We've been hanging out a lot. Him and all of his friends have their heads shaved. I think it's some kind of like I don't know cancer charity thing. Anyway. <laughs> Often when we go out, they're always wearing these armbands on their arms and like all in uniform. And like, they're always like talking in like funny accents and stuff, you know, like they like to do German impressions a lot. It's like weird. Anyway, I don't know. Well, first of all, no, because- Toria, you're dating a Nazi again. No, neo-Nazis creep me out. I do have good neo-Nazi radar and I always feel very creeped out whenever I was like on a New York City subway and I was like- that person's giving me neo-Nazi vibes and I don't like it. I just mean more in that true, like, you know, like if someone like always paying a lot for something in cash, I'll just be like, oh, why do they do that? That's so weird. Like, why do they, it's so not safe to have that much cash on you anyway. And someone else will be like, cause they're clearly like, they sell drugs. Like that's what right. they do, Toria. And I'm like, what? Like, right. you know, like that kind of stuff just doesn't, it, it's not on my radar. It probably is just a, a privilege of having grown up very sheltered. Yeah. That's what it sounds uh, like. It just sounds like I, you, I your mind relatives. doesn't go there. You don't automatically assume the worst of people. Well, but I have relatives who kind of grew up just as sheltered, but they're they're very savvy. Like they're instantly like, well, yeah. that that person's clearly doing that to get this. You know, that's that's right. a you know scam they're pulling for blah blah blah. And so if any of our listeners <laughs> is also a con artist just looking for the next perfect mark, <laughs> you may have found her. I mean, Swipe right. <laughs> if you get me that Moschino purse, I'm yours. <laughs> uh, and I think that's it. That's an episode. Um, yeah, that was the whole episode. We Listen, I can't promise we won't be this all over the place uh, in the next episode record because the next one I am so excited about is the big, it's the only time we're going to get one, animated Christmas episode of The Nanny. <laughs> and I will give you a little preview, a little sneak preview. I watched it. It's insane. <laughs> It is. I don't, just, there's so much to discuss. The dog talks. I'll just we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it. We'll leave it at the dog talks. Chester the dog gets a voice on a very special animated episode of the nanny coming to you next week, courtesy of Oh Mr. Sheffield Podcast. Which, if you like, please, 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 please rate and review and like please, 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 please. <laughs> Please review our podcast we because no one likes us. Babies, and we need the podcast. <laughs> so I'm so sorry. We have, something is wrong with us today. We're not recording on our normal day. It's thrown us. That's what it is. We we. I don't know what's happening. Anyway. Uh, I don't know why after that you would rate and review the podcast, but if you still want to, please do that. It really is helpful to us. Also, if you want to find us anywhere on social media and tell us how you feel specifically about this episode that you're listening to right now, uh, you can go to Oh Mr. Chef Pod on Instagram or Twitter and uh, just make sure you um, uh, address all of your comments to Toria. Yeah. She's, she's pulling all the social media heavy lifting. That's true. Um, and on that note, Toria, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. The flashing girl from flashing. The nanny named Fran. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine.